Welcome back to Beyond Well. I'm Sheila Hamilton, and this is a program for people who want to learn more about their interior worlds. And I'm welcoming back our co-host, Brian Goff, and Dr. Jenna Lejeune joins us every week. Hi, Jenna. So nice to be back with both of you. It is so good to see you as well. Um, I am particularly interested in today's topic, mostly because if this were legalized, I might try it. I'm talking about the use of psychedelics. And the reason that I became super interested was I got this series of text messages from a friend of mine who was like, I want you to meet this guy who knows this guy who's really into Portland's underground psychedelic use. And they're calling it assisted therapy while they do it. And so I went to this coffee shop and I met this guy and the guy happens to be like one of the most well-respected businessmen in Portland. And he told me a story about how his wife had had devastating depression, almost 10 years of deep, deep depression and suicidality. And they were at their wits end. They didn't know what they were going to do. And so they both went into this experience of finding a guide who had helped them through the process of using psychedelics. He said, in one treatment, his wife is a changed person. It has changed her life for two years. Now, she's a little nervous about doing it again because she's afraid of what might happen, whether it would be a different experience or... So I started doing a little research about just how wide or open this field has become and how much more research there is. Mm -hmm. Right now, Johns Hopkins is doing research, and we happen to have a clinical researcher here in the Portland area. Brian Pilecki joins us today. He's a clinical psychologist and a researcher in psychedelic science. So it's so good to have you in. Thank you. It's good to be here. I want you to first tell me about your own experience with psychedelics. Sure. So I first got into psychedelics uh, back in college. Um, I wasn't looking for any type of big experience. Uh, I, I had some friends who were experimenting with MDMA at the time, and um, I had an MDMA experience that was completely transformative. Um, so for me, that meant really um, coming to terms with my sexuality and coming out of the closet really in a couple of minutes to myself. I remember very clearly the series of thoughts that occurred, and I realized, what am I doing pretending to be straight, living this life that wasn't me? And it really just opened me up to um, a whole different way of being with myself and connectedness with others that I never experienced because of my own anxiety and fear up until that point. Wow. So I've been reading so much about the so-called increased permeability between the unconscious mind and the conscious mind. So are you reflecting that your hesitation about being open about who you were was all about your conscious mind? What are people going to think? What is my family going to say? And that the psychedelics kind of allowed you to see for the first time that you didn't need to be that way? Yeah, I guess I wasn't even aware that I was doing that, that I was kind of living in denial of my sexuality and other aspects of myself too. Um, this, This medicine seems to have a curious way of opening us up to things within ourselves that we're avoiding or are painful and in a way that is healing and allows us to grow from them. Jenna, I saw you nodding when, when uh, he was saying painful. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I do think that that is a really common experience from what I've heard of people who um, are, are using psychedelics in this kind of therapeutic way. Now, I guess I want to make the distinction that 
this is not dropping acid in your friend's basement. Uh, you know, this is um, you're with a guide. But I guess that is a very consistent reporting that it simply allows you to kind of connect with what was already there um, in a way that is not defended as, as much and in a way that feels kind of safe. It's not like hoisted upon you. It's just sort of this moment of, oh, oh, yeah, that that's that's what it is. That's that's there. Yeah. So I want to ask a question and I'd like your responses from each of you, if you, if you could. I broke my wrist, shattered it, and um, I was allergic to the morphine and not getting any relief. And when the doctor finally gave me Dilaudid, I had this feeling of like, oh, I now understand. I understand universal love. I understand my place in it. I was bathed in what I would think people would say God is, right? And then it went away. And of course, I kept thinking like, wow, uh, I'd like to do that again, and I know I shouldn't. So how can we think about psychedelics in the same way? Dilaudid gave me the same experience that you guys are speaking of. Why can we have a standard for psychedelics about repeated use when we're telling people not to use other types of drugs? So there's something about psychedelics that seem to put you in real contact with your the natural world, your body, uh. Um, mindful eating, um, what you're drinking, what you're wearing. And so with psychedelics, we don't see this desire to repeat the experience in the same way as we do other drugs really? that might have um, a more kind of overwhelmingly feel-good component to it. So for psychedelics, there can be this feeling of unity and sense of connectedness. Um, there's also often some work that has to be done, as we were just kind of mentioning, getting in contact with some pain or some aspects of ourselves that we were avoiding. Um, so with psychedelics, there seems to be this, the, the after effect seems to be not wanting to seek a quick fix or not wanting to just feel good, but just being more accepting that life includes both pain and pleasure or ups and downs. I find that fascinating because the, the whole way that you do treatment, Brian and Jenna, and, and you is around the idea that life has this enormous pain and enormous beauty and and we have to get to a place of being able to accept and love it all, right? Yeah. And what, yeah. I think one of the ideas about the use of psychedelics in uh, a therapeutic setting is that it allows you to have that experience of having um, kind of an undefended presence with the up and down. And then once you've had that, once you've had that experience of, oh, yeah, this is what it feels like when I'm not struggling against the pain, uh -huh. you can then start to kind of work more in your regular life of being able to notice when you're struggling against something and try and let go a bit of that. But I, I would just repeat what, what Brian said I don't hear people saying, oh, God, I can't wait to, like, you know, go tripping again. I hear people will have sort of a yearning of, oh, I think it's time again. I think there's something for me to learn uh. again. Mm -hmm. But it's it's very different than, you know, you taking delighted and loving it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Understanding or that me I... me with my Benadryl. I, God, I, Benadryl. Right. Seriously. <laughs> I cannot do that again. <laughs> Jenna, what you just said about the experience of the trip giving you an insight into acceptance and openness of your experience as a model for now I can move forward and 
emulate that or replicate mm-hmm. it in some way, build on that mm. without the use of the psychedelic. I think that's an important uh, thing to highlight because it isn't so much maybe, this is sort of a question in the form of a statement, it isn't so much what the psychedelic does for you, but what can be done and the psychedelic provides a window into that or a glimpse at something that is possible even outside of the use of that drug. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think there's some research to show that having what we call a mystical experience or elements of a mystical experience seem to be um, the, the factor that contributes to healing and growth. And there's many ways to occasion a mystical experience besides psychedelics. Mm-hmm. And so really exactly. what we're talking about is kind of an altered state of consciousness. And so if we look at many um, old cultural practices from meditation to fasting to chanting, likely these were all ways to induce a similar state of consciousness that has some sort of healing or growth potential. Uh-huh. Well, every yeah. society on earth has always tried to change its consciousness, right? Either through a fungus or a plant or a chant or a dance. And so the criminalization of these plants is what's interesting to me. What do we know about why it works on the brain? We're just beginning to scratch the surface of that. Um, we have some good theories of uh, what could potentially be going on. So one of the biggest theories right now is this idea of increasing neuroplasticity or creating sort of new networks or new perspectives that um, go beyond one's typical ways of seeing the world or routines or habits that are so ingrained. We think that things, you know, in each psychedelic or psychedelic-like substance has its own profile. So each probably has its own pathway for having its effects um, that they do. Uh, So can we briefly break down Mm. those, especially the ones that you're researching and the ones that you're able to talk with your clients about? Sure. So there's the classical psychedelics, which include LSD or acid, um, psilocybin or mushrooms, um, other things that are um, less common but still widely used, mescaline, um, ibogaine, um, really there's, there's a lot of them. Um, and then we have what are like non-typical, uh, psychedelics. So these are, um, substances that uh, might be more synthetic that creates, um, experiences that are similar to a psychedelic. So that would include MDMA or ecstasy as well as ketamine. So when I first started looking into this, I was, I was looking at the, I guess it was the John Hopkins thing where they use this in end of life patients and they had an 80% reduction in the fear of death because people somehow understood their place in the world and that and life and death are one. And, um, and one of the women said, I thought it was fascinating, that she, when she went in on her, can you call it a trip? Is mm-hmm. that, okay. On her trip, she actually saw in her body the place where her fear resided. And she's sitting there with a guide and all of a sudden she screams, get the fuck out! <laughs> And I was wondering how much of your ability to have a good experience is your willingness to open the doors, to look in all those dark places, to see the crevices, to like accept what's really sometimes reserved and, and rigid about our lives. So having that willingness and that courage really to take a look at ourselves is helpful. But I think one of the, the, the great advantages of psychedelics is um, that it's it's a way for people to kind of get pushed off a cliff if that's sometimes what they need. Yeah. So some of us are so guarded and so, I don't know what you would call it, high-strung or 
just in our habits, in our routines, that we that that we seem to need something that's powerful that helps us step out of that. And so um, some willingness or courage, and, and the more you have, I think probably the more helpful it is. Um, but there is something about this medicine that really teaches us this lesson. So instead of needing it to go into that experience, it's kind of part of the lesson of oh, the experience. Interesting. Hmm. Yeah. So even if you're not normally a kind of open and curious and free person, somehow that's going to, to exact that experience for you. Wow. That's right. Because I often hear people Super say, cool. oh, I could never do mushrooms or I could never do this or <laughs> yeah. that. And usually those people are the people I think, well, you probably Should. would benefit the most from, <laughs> from something like that. Yeah. Okay. When we come back, we're going to be talking more with Brian about the ways that this can be a guided ethical experience because the last thing that we want people to hear today is yeah go find some mushrooms on the street from some dealer and go have this experience that's not what we're talking about at all we'll take that up in our next episode beyond well is brought to us by the foundation for excellence in mental health care and cedar hills hospital if you want to know more information you can go to our website at beyondwellwithsheilahamilton.com and please give us a thumbs up on the place where you listen